You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinal podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a five-star review. I'm Johnny Venerable, joined as always by the GM Saul Bookman in studio, fresh off some Phoenix Suns talk about Chris Paul and uh, a not-so-great injury, uh, mirroring in uh, a lot of ways what happened to J.J. Watt and the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm happy to have rescued you from that negativity as we talk more negativity here on PSN. Johnny, Johnny, listen, listen, Johnny Drama. There's no negativity in Saul's house, okay? Like, there's only opportunity, and that's what I said on the Sun Show. This This isn't a bad thing that Chris Paul got hurt. It's unfortunate. But it's not the worst thing in the world because you know what? It provides opportunities to everybody else to be able to step up. And that's what we're going to do on this show today. We're going to step up and we're going to talk about how Cliff Kingsbury is not a good coach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Kidding. He's or fine. He's whatever. Uh, thank you again in all seriousness for joining us today uh, here on a uh, non-football Monday. Yesterday was the first uh, real weekend we haven't had actual football in some time. Um, but we do have football to talk about uh, one week ahead of the NFL Combine, which, of course, we will be at PHNX, Saul and myself. And it's funny, Saul, I, you know, I was putting together an article last night, gophnx.com, shameless plug about, you know, I think it would make some sense for the Cardinals to reach out to somebody like Jim Caldwell for a lot of different reasons. And then I started doing a little bit more digging on social media. There is a large percentage of the fan base here in the desert that want Cliff Kingsbury not only to add to his staff, but to scrap play calling altogether and find, quote, a real offensive coordinator. So then I put out a a little tweet this morning just to kind of get a a temperature in the room for our account. 99% people want Cliff to relinquish play calling. What is your reaction to that? You know, I think it it speaks to two different things. It's either the, the confidence that he can call the right plays at the right time, or it's the game management aspect of this that he's tr- he's having trouble multitasking with. Um, both of them obviously not good in the fan base's eye. Uh, it, that's a strong reaction if people feel like one way or the other something has got to change and that should be taken off his plate. It's kind of an indictment on how he's run. Um, you know, this the offense in the last three years under under uh, with with Kyler in the fold. I I'm more concerned about development than I am anything else yeah. is, is are our players getting better um are is is Kyler getting better and so I I'm just 
Listen, if you think if if you hire an OC and the this, the comment that just popped up a minute ago is absolutely on point. If Cliff ain't calling plays, then what is he even doing here? And that's it's that true. famous scene from Office Space with Milton. What would you say you that do you here? here. Yeah, exactly. And it because it ain't game management because he hasn't been very good at that either. So I again, I'm going to beat this until it, it we're you know until it's completely dead, but. I don't have faith in the development of this offense in second half of seasons um, with Cliff Kingsbury in the fold. I just don't know where you're going to go from here. He's got to get better. He's got to improve. Um, and unfortunately, we won't know for at least another 300 days whether or not that's going to be the case and if he's even capable of doing that. I think you bring up a great point a lot of people may not be in tune with. It's not only the play calling, which is lackluster at the end of the year. And you know, I'll give him credit. Again, November, no Kyler Murray. You know, winning a couple games with Colt McCoy, play calling was on point for the most yeah, part. Did a absolutely. lot with with not a lot. It's the development of young players or the lack thereof. Why does Christian Kirk disappear in the second half of seasons? Right? Why did Tyler Murray not play good football in December by his own you know resume account when he starts the season on fire in September and October? Frank Sanders of our program loves to talk about how Kyler after. The Cleveland game said it was the best game plan, or maybe the Rams game. The Rams game, week the four, yep. was the best game plan that Cliff had ever put together. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, and then what? We didn't build off of that. So I'm with you. I think it's twofold. I think number one, he does not utilize his players to the best of their ability and doesn't adapt as the season goes on. He'll start week one like gangbusters at Tennessee and, and put up you know 30 plus points and so efficient on every drive, and then week by week play by play, it starts to deteriorate. I think you are in a position, if you're Michael Bidwell, there's there's no scenario in which you can bring in a new play caller because Cliff Kingsbury, you sold it to the fans. We're getting this young, hotshot innovator from Texas Tech, 500, 600-yard games with Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield. That's what he brought to the table. And all the other stuff, was the question marks. It was, can he lead a locker room, right? Can he put together a staff? The bare minimum was, can he put points on the board? Can they yeah. produce offensively? And if we're now questioning that three years in, like, well, maybe we should take away play calling, especially after what we saw in December and January, then there you have huge reservations about what can he even bring to the table moving Oh, forward. major red flags, major red yeah. flags. Like, again, I'm going to go back to this. When, we, when we're talking, you ever played, you know, you've played Madden, right? Yeah. You ever play Madden and, and sometimes, you know, you, you, you kind of have a game or two where uh, you know that the other team's really, really good, so you got to be on point when you're playing them and maybe you run the ball, you're a little bit more efficient, you're, you're a little bit more, you know, a little bit more toned down. And then you play another game and you're like, you know, that was kind of boring. I just want I just want to let it fly. I just want yeah, to let fly and see where it goes. It. It's yeah. like it's like the worst of the two worlds. It's like instead of letting it fly, we let it fly by just dinking and dunking, and it yeah. gets us nowhere. And 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 we completely abandon the running game mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like I, it's just the game plans just do not make a lot of sense to me in a lot of these situations, especially in the second half of the season, where I just feel like. Cliff is is getting in front of his skis way too much. Like he needs to understand what his strengths are as a coach and what his team's strengths are on the offensive side of the ball. And so when you have Kirk going on a go route and then you look around and Rondell Moore's right there next to him, that's a schematic problem. What the hell is that? It should that? not have happened. 
No. You know what I mean? And so it's too late so, in the year for two players like that to be doing that. It's not like that's too late a in the year. Those are practice squad guys. Way too late in the year. And so again, the development. If you're not consistent in the way you're coaching and the way you're emphasizing key points, then your team is going to deteriorate in the National Football League. That's what has happened with Cliff Kingsbury the second half of these seasons is that he has not been able to en- enforce his points to the point that he would like to, and yeah. the team has fallen off significantly in the second half of the year. And Kyler's performance was much better. You know, when I looked at the numbers, I was like, you know what? I had Kyler a little bit wrong. I thought Kyler was better this year than last year, um, but it was so far from the truth. And last year down the stretch, uh, he was way better than he was down the stretch this year. And the reason why was because his rushing yards were up. He was able to scramble much more. He wasn't, he wasn't feeling banged up for whatever reason. Um, And he performed at a higher level, which also concerns you because he should have been better in year three than year two. What the hell happened in Detroit? No excuse for that. What the hell happened against Indianapolis on Christmas day against a banged up Colts team? No excuse for that. What the hell happened against the Seahawks week, week 18 with the division on the line? I mean, everybody takes blame for that. You know, Bergang travel in the comments. Let's be honest. Murray is also full of shit. He said during the slide that Ertz is always open and proceeded to not get him the ball the following weeks. I don't think anybody goes without blame, but I think the it starts at the top, at least internally. And I think Cliff deserves the most blame because it's his job to get the most out of Kyler Murray. When, when it comes to players and them talking themselves up, I like basically ignore everything they say because everybody's always the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah, and, everybody's and had the greatest always, off season. You know, everybody's like, in peak shape. Yeah, like, like Max Williams had a phenomenal start to this season before he got injured. Like, yeah, he was really, really good. And so Zach Ertz coming in, yeah, it's an upgrade to a degree in terms of the passing game. And so maybe he felt he feels more open than he had in the past, or any other tight end has seemed in the past. Right? Cool. But again, none of this matters. You can blow smoke up my ass all day, but you can't tell me that it's freaking everything's on fire if I don't see the actual results on the field. And that's the problem. Again, the the, the development of this, and maybe that's why everybody's clamoring for an offensive coordinator. Um, or somebody at least to to come in and kind of help guide Cliff in this yeah. endeavor. Because to to be honest and to be fair to Cliff, yes, he played in the National Football League for a snap um, and watched behind, and he sat behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Cool, but he has never coached at the NFL level as a head coach or yeah. even as a coordinator. So it's different from college to to pro. And when you're in the coordinator position, you learn, you learn how to manage the game. You learn how to, how to, how to manage things from a head coaching perspective. You get a little bit of that guidance. He has not received any of that. And so he's kind of, he was kind of thrown into the fire. You got a great DC in Vance Joseph and, and, you know, you got to give kind kudos for at least having a former head coach be a part of that staff that can kind of help point you in the right direction. But on the offensive side of the ball, they are so lost at yeah. times. They need to rectify that. And that's why you see 99% of the fan base saying, hell no. Good comment from Jalen. Cliff has to figure out why the O-line has gotten worse as the season progressed the last two years. That's where all the offensive problems began. If you can't protect or run late in the season, it's over. Yep. I would say it's a combination of aging veterans getting hurt, young players not panning out. Not they haven't they haven't put in a lot of resources in the offensive line in the draft. I mean, outside of DJ Humphreys and Josh Jones, I mean, name a interior lineman they they've taken relatively high. 
Uh, I do think that gets changed this offseason, but it's a good point nonetheless. And and to your point, Saul, you know, I it's it's why I think somebody like Jim Caldwell could do wonders for this team in so many different ways. Quarterback coach, of course, Tony Dungy disciple, spent time with Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, fellow number one picks, has a had a winning record in Detroit. Every year he gets he gets recycled, probably gets his hopes up during these hiring uh sprees, hiring frenzies, and for whatever reason, isn't selected, goodness, over some of these joke candidates that do get selected, if the Cardinals could bring him in as like a a Tom Moore-esque type of coach like Bruce Arians had, senior offensive advisor, or if you just want to make him the quarterback coach and and fire their current quarterback, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Bring him in as Cliff's right-hand man offensively, and if Cliff is threatened by that, so be it. You're on a one-year hot seat. You, You know, everybody needs to produce. I think you would give a little bit of a middleman there for Kyler Murray to be challenged by Jim Caldwell. I also think that it gives Kime and more so Michael Bidwell an in-house candidate to consider if he does well, but the team doesn't, or if Cliff Kingsbury mm. sputters. I, I just, to me, something like that would shake up the locker room and the, and the offensive skill room enough where you could see that pay dividends. But to your point, None of these coaches, you know, I like Sean Coogler, but he's not calling plays a run game coordinator. He's a run game guy. He is not in charge of the development of Kyler Murray. That is Cliff Kingsbury. So to your point, when Kyler Murray starts to sputter, that's all. That's a direct reflection of the head coach. Well, uh, let me ask you this question. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit here. Sure. Why Jim Caldwell? Like why, well, why, why, why that name as opposed to, you know, several of the other potential former head coach slash coordinators in the league. I try to connect the dots. They interviewed him in 2019, 2020, when they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury in 2020, in January of 2020, they brought him in for the head coaching position, interviewed him alongside Kingsbury. Now I'm saying this to you. Was that a Rooney rule checking of a box? I sure to hell hope it wasn't, but we don't know. And then they went and got Cliff Kingsbury. I just, I have, I have a lot of respect for Jim Caldwell. I think he deserves another chance. And I just, all the boxes he checks, I think, align perfectly with this, with what this Cardinal team needs, at least for 2021, uh, or excuse me, 2022. So uh, it's not a magic elixir, so to speak, and they all have ties to him. But I do think he would listen to a phone call if you're Michael Bidwell and just say, hey, we got some public shit we need to clean up. We've got a mess right now with our quarterback, a perception of our head coach. Can you come in and like give us some stability here? And if, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you're threatened by a 67-year-old man who's going to come in and help do your job for you while you still get paid and get the wins-loss record in your column, I don't have – he should be sure of himself to say, I'm going to welcome this individual in-house because I know it's going to help us be better because the staff I've put together offensively, outside of Sean Cooler, is not good enough. That's how I came to that conclusion. We got a lot of chat – a lot of chats in the co- uh, comments in the chat – um uh, on on a lot of this stuff um i think they should call the chiefs offensive coordinator he's been talking about eric Bieniemy. um i don't know what's going on with eric Bieniemy. um i've seen i'm hearing rumblings about this that and the other maybe some some stuff off the field or some things behind the scenes that we just don't know about that's weird um we all know cliff ain't getting getting an oc especially with one year left on his contract cliff did have our offense nk1 top five uh, most of the season until the last season, six games. Though, we got it. It's a full yeah. season. Hey, listen, got- listen, it, it, you can lose uh, again. How about this? Okay. You can lose D hop. 
Okay. And you can lose Devontae Adams. Which one of those teams won? Yeah. The team in green and gold, not in red and white. You know, uh, and and I, w- I would even say that Green Bay even had their, their second wide receiver. I, I'm His name is escaping me. Marquez Scandrick or Valdez Scandrick or something like that. Yeah. Lazard. Scantling. Um, Scantling. Yeah. Lazard. Lazard was out mm-hmm. too. So like, like you got to You got to make it happen with what you have and you don't lose the lions. I don't give a shit if you have D hop in the fold or not. Uh, you don't lose the Colts at home. Same thing. And you don't lose the Seahawks at home in the last game of the season. You can't look lost offensively no. in your third year in December. As an offensive guy, you hang your hat on offense. There's Sean, no, there's Sean no McVay way. ever look lost? No. No. no well, <laughs> he kind of looked a little lost in the Super Bowl for a, a few hot minutes there in the third quarter. Got it uh, together. But, but I will say this. The chat is right. There's no way that the Cardinals are going to bring in an OC to advise Cliff Kingsbury. He's basically in a a prove it or lose it situation this year. It's his last year. And uh, if he doesn't get things together, he's going to be on the outside looking in. And if they don't start off very well this year, he'll be on the outside looking in real quick. Yeah. I'm trying to help you Cardinals. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you and give you a recommendation. (laughs) I'm also trying to help you guys. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. Gear up for the second half of the NBA season and utilize those same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use that promo code PHNX. Bet $1, get $150 in free bets if you win. Again, promo code PHNX. DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, 21 and over, Arizona only. Gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEPS. New customer only, $5 minimum deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for more details. My DraftKings pick of the week for last week, Devin Booker had, uh, I think it was plus 3,500 to win the All-Star Game. MVP did not hit, but I'll tease you for this week. DraftKings pick of the week here on a Monday. How about that? I like DeMar DeRozan's odds at plus 2,200 to win the MVP for the Chicago Bulls. Oh, I'm drinking on, the Kool-Aid. <laughs> listen i i I don't know what devin booker's odds are right now but i would say if there was anybody that was going to come out of nowhere and win um and win the mvp it would be devin booker right now with cp3 out the i don't want to jinx him him i don't want to i picked him to win the all-star game mvp that didn't work out uh and shane picked seth uh steph curry so i'm depressed about that uh what i am uh not depressed about uh by the way is the houston texans which have been an unofficial pipeline for the Arizona Cardinals in terms of talent, each of the last two off seasons, we remember Saul two years ago uh, around this time, the biggest bounty in uh, recent NFL history, Cardinals netting DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a second round pick. Thank you so much, Bill O'Brien. And then almost a calendar year ago today, JJ Watt leaving Houston, coming to Arizona. Well, could we have more Houston defectors and would the Cardinals be interested this is from Lance Zerling, who is tapped into Houston. His father used to work, I believe, in the Cardinals' front office. The Watson trade, the Tunsil trade, and probably Brandon Cook's trade all look inevitable right now. He was having a conversation 
with Mike Gennetti of Spot Track on the bench of ESPN. Basically, we knew Deshaun Watson has been, is been available, although he had a shitty day in court today. So we're going to push that aside because that's something Saul and I are not interested in discussing anymore. Deshaun Watson is not coming to Arizona. But there are two other names on this list that I think are super interesting. Number one, Laramie Tunsil, who's due a ton of money, who's young, at an old Miss, stud left tackle, wasting away, and looks like they're going to try to get what they can for him. I don't understand that, but I, I would imagine it's because of his high salary cap hit. And then Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, who has consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, who looks like he's put a lot of his concussion issues to bed. Remember, like, th- three or four straight off seasons, he was traded. He went from, like, the Saints to the Rams to the Patriots to – Houston, whatever. Yeah. Well, he's due $16 million next year. They don't want to pay him that. Um, if they cut him, they save about $8 million. Uh, I don't know what the ramification is if they were to trade him away. The new team will have to eat some money. Does Tunsil or, in my opinion, Cooks seem enticing for you if you're the Cardinals? Tunsil more so than Cooks, but I don't think you could afford either one of those two, to no. be honest with you. No, I mean, Tunsil, listen, if Tunsil comes, does he bring the gas mask? That's the question I have. No? It's legal here. You start ripping bongs. I mean, why not, man? Just go ahead and rip some shreds, man. <laughs> oh, my God. That, there's, not a, there's not a greater – it wasn't great for him because he fell a couple picks. There's not a greater social media shitstorm on draft night than the Laramie Tunsil bong mask. It was so absurd. His, <laughs> it, was it was like his father-in-law or his girlfriend, somebody like that, planted it on the yeah. internet and he had just basically well, had come out and you know what dude owned it and it didn't impact his career at all dude, and, and whoever that was that leaked that they were definitely cut off after that yes <laughs> if they weren't already you know uh i i like tunsil he's a really good uh tackle like yeah. he's been in the league for what i think four or five years now um but do you replace humphreys you know dj humphreys do you replace him at yeah. that tackle position, because I don't think moving him over to right tackle is the answer either. No, so no, you, you know what, what do you do there? And then Brandon Cooks again. Like my fear is, is that you're going to acquire pieces that you just don't know how to use efficiently. Like that's my fear. He's an outside receiver. Uh, let me read you the top three cap hits for the Houston Texans. This might not be a coincidence based on these three names. The Houston Texans are due to Sean Watson. He's got a cap hit of $40 million this year. Um, and uh, it's $10 million of dead money if he's released. Laramie Tunsil, his cap hit is some Hopkins money, $26 million. Um, and then Brandon Cooks, like I mentioned, is $16 million. So they are, trying to, they, they are trying to subsequently. Well, let's uh, hang on a second. Tunsil to me, first of all, you just mentioned an interesting player for the Arizona Cardinals. DJ Humphreys is in his last year of his contract. By and large, what the Texans are trying to do is they're trying to get out from the money they owe Laramie Tunsil in future years. What if you could do a deal, by the way, with DJ Humphreys, where, yes, you have to pay his $19 million this season, right? And Laramie's making 26, but then DJ's a free agent. And if you're Houston, you maybe get a draft pick and a tackle for next year, and the Cardinals get a younger, better upgrade. And sure, like, People are freaking out. You pay left tackles, left tackle money when they are legit, just like quarterbacks and pass rushers. So I don't have a problem paying Laramie Tunsil $26, $27 million a year if he's busting people's skulls on Sunday, Trent Williams style. I have a problem with paying DJ Humphreys, who is not aging gracefully, 
20 plus million dollars when he looks like a freaking turnstile in the wild card round against Von Miller. I, Bro, I'm paying the, a premium for a left tackle of quality. But the problem is, is that you're going to pay 26 mil and you're going to pay how much for uh D hop? Something like 32 elites. And then you've got Kyler that you got to throw in there. Dude, you got year. three guys that are going to take up like all the entire cap. That's just, yeah. no, man. I got three elites. I got, okay. For first of all, the Cardinals <laughs> next year, let's, let's fast forward to next year. They got in 2023. Now Kyler's not under contract. So finagling, uh, they will have, uh, I believe a hundred and thirty-three million dollars in cap space. They will have some of the, I think, top five money in cap space next year. Time to allocate. Time to allocate. Now so they're listen, losing a lot of guys. Listen, they would have to resign some people. That's why you just fucking take the L this year, baby. Let no. Cliff take the L, and no. then you rise up, Red Sea. It's twenty twenty-four. Let's go. Don't listen to this man in the comments, please. <laughs> don't listen to this fraud, man. We're trying to win next year. <laughs> We're trying to get Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Cooks. I, I don't I'm trying to win a championship, and you could set yourself up. Listen, like Kime Bidwell, at least if I was a GM, I'm not. I'm not thinking so much about like, can we just be relevant next year? Can we? Can we get Kyler to another level? Let's see what how this thing goes for one more year. But my eyes are on the prize, and you, you, you definitely slot things for the future. So when you have that much cap space coming your way. Hey, it's going to go like this real time. quick when you have to pay or Jalen Thompson and maybe Byron Murphy and certainly Kyler Murray. And you need a left tackle at some point and you need a pass rusher to replace Chandler Jones. If he leaves, that money is going to go by. First of all, the salary cap is a myth. The Rams have shown us that get good players, get the elites, get ass kickers, not overpaid veterans who are not worth their salt. Real ass kickers, not Jordan Phillips, right, or Devon Kennard. Give me pro bowlers because those are the guys who show up on Sunday. So well, I, like, I would like this year, like this year with Von Miller and then with uh, OBJ. Like the, the Rams were not afraid to take a chance and make a That's move right. for talent, and it paid off for them. Uh, you wish the Cardinals would – the Cardinals had the same opportunity, could have done the same kind of things. They, ref, they, they, they chose to lay back and – they got their ass kicked in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, to their credit, they did bring in Zach Ertz, which I applauded. But again, I. That was like week they, six. Yeah. They could have gone out and cl- they could have claimed OBJ. Could have just been a Cardinal. You could have just been yeah. like, nope, he's on our team. Uh, Jalen Blair in the chat. All I hear y'all saying is we need to hit on draft picks. Well, that's important when you pay Kyler Murray. They are, they're not paying Kyler Murray yet. And I just left tackle, quarterback, pass rusher. Those are the three foundational positions for a football team. You pay a premium for a premium. I don't care if I don't care how much I have to pay for those players if they excel at their. If I'm getting 20 sacks a year from Chandler Jones, I can't pay him enough. If I'm getting Trent Williams, I can't pay him enough. If Kyler Murray's an MVP, I don't. I'll write a blank check. Everything else, I think, maybe to some extent, you know, different parts of the offensive line. Everything else is interchangeable to me. Outside of a number one receiver now too. So. Uh, Cardinals update says you can manipulate the cap so much with voidable years and pushing money down the line, like with the Rams, Chiefs, and the Saints. You know, absolutely. If you're not doing that, you don't want to win, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. You do not want to win. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I think there are too many other receivers, I think, that are going to be more uh, affordable. I would, I would pursue Brandon Cooks if you could get him as a free agent. They're not going to release him. He's probably going to get dealt for a day three pick. 
Um, but I think that to your point, Saul, it's just too much money to pay somebody. I would who's almost like 30. somebody that's taller. You're on the, you're on the, well, we just had that in AJ Green, but he, yes, he's very old. Listen, if you're not as tall as I am, I don't want you playing receiver for the Cardinals. <laughs> so I will square you up and we'll see if you're on as, no, as I will see these guys not. at the combine and I will be like, oh, no, son, move along. <laughs> We're going to talk about the combine here in a second. Uh, real quick, NFL AZ Cardinals. If the cap is a myth, then why not re-sign Chandler Jones? Because what you're going to be paying Chandler Jones this year is not going to be – you're not going to see the dividends of that in the fall. He, he is not good enough to be paid what he wants to be paid. If we got Chandler Jones when he first got here, hell yeah, pay him $25 million. We don't have that Chandler Jones anymore. We saw it. Economics 101. You pay for good for goods – Cash, uh, you pay good cash for goods and services, okay? Like, and the goods and services that you are going to get from Chandler Jones are not worth the cash that you're gonna have to put out. Like, that's just how it is. It's pretty basic. And I don't want to pay fifteen million dollars a year for Chandler Jones. I don't even want to pay eight million dollars a year for Chandler Jones. I just don't. Saul is firmly in the camp of let's move on. It's time to move on. It I is. am. I'm playing both sides of it for my benefit because uh, I want to see what the Cardinals are able to do if they can get an upgrade. I'm just afraid we're going to be uh, watching Devon Kennard's uh, suit up week one. It's my legitimate fear I have. Uh, Jalen says, I think we are exaggerating how bad Chandler Jones was. We had five sacks week one and then like six the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe, okay. Jalen, Jalen's got somewhat of a point. Okay. I will say that Chandler put a lot of pressure on the quarterback in games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what his stats were. But I know he put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. However, comma, he just disappeared way too much for my liking when it came, especially to big moments in big games. Yeah. I just felt like you needed him a lot more. It felt like maybe the middle 10 games of the season, like you wouldn't even even known he was out there. No. You know, and that that was that's kind of my issue. Like you we need to pay for consistency. You need to be able to rely on some guys. J.J. Watt is a consistent player. Like he yeah. consistently is going to push upfield and get in the quarterback's face and stop the run. Like other guys, were Zach Allen, far more consistent this year than Chandler Jones. But Chandler Jones, man, like, again, we're talking about the money versus the product, okay? And right now, the money that he's going to desire – I just don't feel like is worth the product that you're getting on the field. It, no, it's a personal opinion. And Jalen, you know, if you if you're a big uh, Chandler Jones guy, cool, good on you. I'm just not, not right now. I love his you brother. Know, yeah, we don't. We all love John Bones Jones. Um, in the chat, you're getting some love. Nobody wants any more little wide receivers. Cardinals update says Cook is amazing. How he just keeps producing 1,000 yards with every team. I just want a taller, dominant outside guy. I mean, well, that's the. That's the dream. That's you're putting together an alpha receiver. He can run like Brandon Cooks, but he's six three, six four. Uh, and Diego says I'm I'm also tired of little wide receivers, um, which is probably not good for my Hollywood Brown argument. But the good news is <laughs> next week at the NFL Combine, which we will be in attendance for, there will be plenty of taller receivers on display. Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that the uh, children five and older are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine is the best tool we have to reduce the chances of getting sick with COVID-19. The vaccine can reduce the risk of being hospitalized or um, or even dying from the disease. It's safe, free, and highly effective, and COVID-19 vaccines are available throughout Arizona. Visit AZ 
health.gov slash find vaccine for a location nearest to you. I mentioned my Jim Caldwell article. You can find that and more at gophnx.com. Become a member. 50 cents for the first month, $8.99 for the subsequent months. Or you could become a year-long member for half that price, just under 60 bucks, and score yourself one of these T-shirts full free at the PHNX Merchandise Locker. This T-shirt or the many other T-shirts. Listen, it's not going to hurt my feelings. You get a membership. You pick one of our other phenomenal T-shirts. But you can't do that unless you go to phnxlocker.com. Also, right, I, just so- want, I just want to throw it out there. On Friday, we've gotten a lot of comments in the chat over the last week or two. Every time we start to bring up a prospect or two, yeah. uh, mostly when I bring up Trevor Penning, um, uh, about like this prospect or that prospect or whatever. And, we, uh, and while we would love to do our very best and dissect every single prospect that is in the NFL draft, um, that's going to be downright imp- almost impossible. We will yeah. do our very best to, cl- you know, to, to get this information to you. But what we will say is, is on Friday is your opportunity. If you want to come on this show, throw some names of some prospects that you think are ideal for the Cardinals in the chat. We will take those and we will use those to our advantage. So that way we can give you the very best information, uh, give you a full rounded out kind of prospect profile, if you will, um, on some of the players that you think are interesting. It's not just about me and Johnny here because we're all a family. So please join us on Friday and and throw it in the chat. You steer the conversation, absolutely. And as we get closer to free agency, draft season, uh, we're going to be talking about all the major players. So don't worry. We're in the quote-unquote dog days of February, but uh, thanks to a little social media scrub, it hasn't felt like that. Uh, now, there was some a little bit of disturbing news, Saul, that came out last night via Ian Rappaport and some others as it relates to the NFL Combine. Oh, yeah. The NFL Combine in my house is something that we take in year in and year out. I love watching it. I watch the entire thing. Um, you've got the GMs, the executives that speak on the front end, and then we get all the workouts. However, according to Ian Rappaport, quote, agents representing more than 150 draft prospects are organizing a boycott boycott of all testing, on-field workouts, and interviews. He says next month's scouting combine, it's next week, um, if, quote-unquote, heavy bubble restrictions aren't changed, meaning the players and their agents do not want heavy COVID restrictions taking place at the combine because I think in large part they feel like we've progressed past that point as a society. Now, if you recall, we lost the combine, I believe each of the, we definitely lost it last year. And then the year before it was right before the pandemic hit, we got the combine in. So my question for you is, is the combine just damned to be changed at some point? Could we risk losing it altogether? Well, I know that that's always been on the table is that the, the NFL PA has not really been excited about how the combine operates um and you know it, it, listen it's it's easy to say that for the higher prospect prof, profile athletes right the guys the LSU's the Alabamas of the world there's plenty of tape on the the smaller school guys or the teams that were not on the national radar like those are the guys that need to combine the most because they got to yeah. get in front of these teams and it's their opportunity to do so so um and and, and listen uh, I've been a staunch advocate of you know making sure you're vaxxed and boosted and all that stuff like everybody here is vaxxed and boosted like uh we take proper uh precautions to stay safe but uh I think this this pandemic is wearing on people and yeah. they're a little tired of it and when you go from one state to another you know hell here in Arizona I could walk just about everywhere without a mask on um and go into any establishment restaurant or not 
and walk in. But when we went to Louisiana, uh, you can't get into a restaurant unless you have your vax card and you prove that you've been vaccinated. Like every state is different and there's different levels to it. And uh, I do agree that the bubble here for indie purposes um, is it, just I don't know. I don't I, I'm not going to say it's unnecessary, but the restrictions that they place, they basically have eliminated the opportunity for the players to really experience the combine as a whole. It's yeah. just they've been isolated. And that's I could see how that was. that's a bit of an issue. I wouldn't like that so much. Um, take the proper safety precautions, but let me have a little bit of, of, of wiggle room to be able to do some of the extra things that, that I came here to do. Probably seems a little hypocritical for a lot of these players when they just got done playing bowl games in front of 50, 75,000 fans. Hell, the with, Super Bowl. You know, yeah. People Super Bowl had a millions of people masks. there, all of them just about maskless. Yeah. So uh, I would imagine an Adam Schefter, who can sometimes be a little mouthpiece for, for the owners and, and for the league, he put out a statement saying they were working toward a conclusion, whatever that looks like. Um, I think, to your point, Saul, it is for these mid to late rounders that want to up their value. I, I'll never forget watching John Brown kind of out of the corner of my eye during the combine in, in 2014. And then the only reason I knew who he was was when the Cardinals drafted him. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the guy who ran the 429. Of course, Bruce Arian wants him. He went to some school I can't even think of, and their mascot Pittsburgh is a gorilla. State. Pittsburgh State. Pittsburgh State Gorillas. And I, and I only knew that because of the combine. And then it also goes both ways where I'm like, hey, Andy Isabella looks pretty good running these drills. He might not be a bad fit. And uh, the rest is history. But <laughs> Teddy says, move the combine, man. I love the combine. I do think it is bound for LA, which I hate because I don't want the Rams to have more good things in their life. But it sounds like the league um, wants to do like good morning football in their studios that are in LA. They want to have the combine right there. So, well, and their studios else? are literally right across the walkway from the stadium. Of it's, of course, I mean, it, it, LA makes sense. It does. Yeah. It's it's easier to Maybe travel. Maybe more players to LA. Would want to want to work out there than too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of players work out here in Arizona in the yeah. off season. Um, so making that trek to LA is going to be way, way cheaper, uh, easier. Um, for us, it would be far cheaper because going to Indy right now is just a fucking disaster. It's going to take us um, all night, plus, about 10 days to get there. It is so far away. <laughs> we are going in horse wagon. Uh, we will do our very best uh, to bring you live coverage uh, before we get to century. We're actually leaving right after the show's over. <laughs> no, I, it I I don't think it's going away. I'm sad to say I think we've probably seen the last of like peak. Who remember Julio Jones's combine performance and like that was must see TV. Um, just the absolute and I hesitate to use like the word freak show. It's just the supremely gifted young man excelling in athletic feats that I could never imagine doing as a, a five six year old thirty four year old white man. So um, I'm excited <laughs> for whatever we get next week, access or not, combine or not. Um, uh, hey, the combine helped Brandon Williams go from an undrafted corner to the Cardinals' third-round pick. How dare you, Cardinals update, you rat bastard. Um, but that's true, and Brandon Williams got a, ni- got a nice paycheck out of that. So <laughs> That's how you know Johnny loves you, if he calls you a rat bastard. That's true. Uh, in all seriousness, guys, thanks for hanging out. We'll be back tomorrow in studio, PHNX Cardinals Live, 3 p.m. We'll be talking combine, whatever else you want to talk about as we lead up to our trip to Indy. For Saul Bookman, I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you tomorrow.